This is Altruistic, where we speak with pioneers in the race to zero and unpack the lessons from their experience for you, our community of impact professionals. I'm your host, Seth Hamid, and in this episode, we're going to get to talk about circularity in fashion. You may have already dipped your toes into the rental market or simply admired it from afar. We're going to distill the key ideas, understand the opportunities, and talk about the future of circular fashion in our conversation with Ishita Cabra. Ishita is CEO and founder of Buy Rotation, Europe's most exciting peer-to-peer fashion rental and resale platform, driving the change in consumer habits and resetting the narrative from buying to sharing. Ishita, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much again, Seth, for having me. No, it's our pleasure. So tell us about Buy Rotation. What do you guys do and how do you do it? Yeah, Buy Rotation. So it's the world's first social network where you can lend, rent, and more recently, buy and sell contemporary and designer fashion with each other, thereby saving the planet, saving money, uh, dressing great, and also making new friends at the same time. So many reasons to do it. I have to say, we, we love the saving the planet part the most here at Altruistic. No surprises. Could you tell us a bit more about that? What's the impact that fashion has on the planet and how does birotation help? Yeah, so I've been reading in quite a few resources, such as the Alan MacArthur Foundation, which we're a part of, uh, we're part of the network, where it says that fashion is apparently the third most polluting industry in the world, which is shocking. You know, it overtakes aviation and maritime industries combined. But I guess if you think about it, you know, we're all wearing clothes every day. And in certain countries, such as the UK, the consumers here are consuming about four times the amount of fashion than its European counterparts. So actually, it might not be that surprising after all that fashion is one of the most consumed products in the world. And I think it's been growing at such a rate that, you know, completely sort of outpaces what our parents or our grandparents ever did, you know, ever wore. And that's what we're doing at By Rotation. We're really getting the average consumer walking on the high street to rethink how they can still enjoy fashion without purchasing new product. So really making fashion an experience as opposed to all about the ownership. And with Buy Rotation, our values are very much based on community, the sharing economy and technology. Very simply put, we're a peer-to-peer marketplace where you can list items so that people can rent and lend. And as I mentioned a couple of days ago, we launched our resale feature So there's also an option to buy items or sell them yourself. So really getting people to share what they already own. Very much the sisterhood of Traveling Pants, uh, which is a pretty famous movie from my time, coming to life. This is so fantastic. And Ishita, there's obviously been a lot of talk around carbon and carbon emissions and greenhouse gases globally. And, And certainly we see a lot of our food customers and companies that Altruistic works within the food sector and FMCG space really coming to terms with the impact that their value chain has on carbon and carbon emissions. For you guys, is it really about carbon and greenhouse gas or is it actually going beyond that? I mean, you talk about circularity and the the single use model. What are the metrics for us as consumers and frankly for business as well? Yeah, so we actually created an in-house impact calculator. So we call it the positive savings calculator. And I guess in a way, it's a nudging technique to get people to understand that when they rent an item from someone else on the Buy Rotation app, they're also saving the planet by not having another item being produced and, and therefore purchased and probably discarded very quickly by them. So we do that at the checkout on the Buy Rotation app where you can see your positive savings 
in terms of the textile waste, in terms of the water that would have been used to create the product, and also carbon emissions, as you already mentioned. And then there's obviously the other exciting part, which I think most people are still thinking about, you know, that the mainstream audience is very concerned with affordability. I think that's the thing that draws them in the most, which is the fact that they get to wear contemporary designer, you know, new clothes that are new to them anyway, um, a fraction of the retail price. And then I think it's about really, you know, nudging them to make them realize that by actually renting and sharing, they've done more than just save money. They've actually also saved the planet because they've not bought yet another piece of product. So I think it's really about making sustainability inclusive, getting everyone, you know, including the layman again on the high street, to engage with this concept of sustainability and circularity without you being one of the people who would probably be at an Extinction Rebellion rally. You know, we want to make it for everyone. I think it's a great term and a great expression to make sustainability inclusive. We, we also find a lot of the organizations that we speak with talk about a transition, not just from the angle that you've described, which is how do you bring all consumers along and, and have everyone play there, but also how do you ensure that no one is really left behind in the impact that this transition is inevitably going to have. We were also speaking with Nigel Fan, founder of Whirly, who's in a similar space, or, or rather exploring a very different space, toys, in a very similar way. And, and it was really the same sort of focus, which is how do you get a customer to have a better service experience, a better product experience, in a more affordable way, and also in a way that has less impact. And I think if you can hit all three of those, as by rotation is also doing, that's where you really unlock the pedal to really achieve impact at scale, because you have those big drivers for how you do it. Yeah, no, I love what Nigel's doing. And I think it makes so much sense, especially because, you know, kids sort of outgrow their toys, don't they? As they would with clothes, maybe we'll have by rotation for kids. But yeah, it just makes a lot of sense to not make new product and share what's already out there. And what made you identify this opportunity or where did it come to mind? You were, you were in an entirely different sphere before this, right? In finance. What brought this to mind? So I did, you know, it was a very first world problem, uh, to be very honest with you. I was planning my itinerary for my honeymoon, so a holiday. And I was thinking about all the places we would go, you know, that we would visit, that we would eat at, the different cities in Rajasthan, where I'm originally from, that we would visit. And I started thinking about how I'd pack my suitcase, the clothes I wanted to wear on this trip of a lifetime. And that's when I started thinking about how it would be great if I could just borrow rent clothes for this trip and then return them back. And I started thinking about all these sort of fashionable women that you see on social media, you know, Instagram in particular has that very famous hashtag OOTD, which is outfit of the day. And I thought, you know what, it would be really nice if I could borrow this woman's outfit, the one who's already been to Rajasthan. She looks amazing in that dress. And we have the same size, the same style. But then I very quickly realized that in the UK and even Europe, there were no sort of digital rental platforms out there. Any sort of rental solution was kind of on the high street to rent hats for like a wedding that you're going to or ball gowns. Nothing just for a nice holiday during the summer period. And that's when I started thinking about various sharing economy companies, those gig economies such as Uber and Airbnb. And I thought, why don't we create this sort of platform where I could just reach out to this woman on the Instagram square and tell her that I'd like to rent her out and, and I'll pay her and, and she'll get it back and I'll take care of it. And maybe I can continue to rent the rest of her wardrobe as well. So that's where the idea really came about. And I think it was on my honeymoon when I went back to my motherland where I was born. So two hours away from Jaipur in Rajasthan. 
where I noticed a visible amount of textile waste, you know, just in my suburban hometown, which is very well known for textiles in particular. And that's when I started thinking about how this idea I had for a sharing economy of fashion, it actually goes beyond just wanting to dress, to dress up and enjoy fashion. It could actually be a solution to this problem of waste in the fashion industry. Couldn't agree more, Ashitan. We also, we're starting to work as altruistic with companies in the fashion value chain. And a big part of that is actually the textile industry and, and further upstream and helping drive transformative change there. And the impact can really be very significant. To go back to the metrics, not just on carbon, but also on water, for example, just uh, as a water-intensive industry, both in terms of cotton-grown, for example, and also the, the manufacturing process. When you think about your part of the market, what, what are the main challenges facing your business and how do you see your way to overcoming them? I would imagine that trust and building trust between the different participants might be a big part of that, but would love to hear those in some more detail. Yeah, I think the, the first thing probably you know, to begin with is conversion. It's still a new concept, especially in Europe and, and in the UK. In the US, you have sort of players which now have already you know, become listed, like Rent the Runway, but that's taken over 13 years. And that's also been only in one geography. So I think there's quite a lot still in terms of education that we need to do in the UK and Europe. And obviously with COVID, that didn't really help because we were only five and a half months when we had launched. And then, you know, again, concerns about hygiene. But I think we've done a very good job at explaining to people that it's no different to going to someone's Uber or staying at someone's Airbnb or even actually a hotel for that matter, because the linen and the towels that you use at hotels, they're not, they're not made just for you. They're, they're actually shared by other guests who stayed at the property. So it's sort of a similar concept. And we've actually gone a step further and made it personal because we've made it very community oriented. And that's where the social network style uh, platform really comes into play. Once you end up renting from a woman who's the same style and size as you, maybe even she lives in your neighborhood or in the same city as you, you end up following her on the buy rotation app. And then you repeat rent from her over and over again. So it's kind of like this friendship or acquaintanceship, whatever you want to call it, that's formed between these two women or style matches, as we call it. And that's been really, really useful in building trust within the community. So yeah, it goes a step further, I think, than, than Airbnb and a step further than, say, Instagram, because you can actually directly borrow or even now buy someone's wardrobe directly on the app. And do you see a lot of the, the influencer-led model being quite powerful in your space where actually, you know, again, picking up from where your idea originated, where you can you can see people wearing something, let's say on Instagram, you actually want to wear that for a day or for a trip. Is there a big kind of personal brand creation element here where people have followers who want to then borrow their clothes and kind of, you know, potentially purchase them later on? Is that a big part of the model? I would say the main user persona that we have on the app is really the working professional female. So it's not actually the influencers or the ones who want to become influencers or well-known celebrities and VIPs. It's actually, you know, our top lender, for example, she is a math teacher. She received her OBE a few months ago from the Queen. She is 49 years old and she's she's got twins. She has a full-time job. It's not her day job to be fashionable and stylish and have a huge wardrobe. But she's a woman who you know, makes over £2,000 a month just from sharing her wardrobe. And I think it's very democratic on the platform. It's really based on who has great style and therefore is lending out more or having more views on the app. 
as opposed to, you know, needing to be a celebrity or someone famous to begin with anyway. But equally, that being said, you know, some of our renters, people who are, you know, micro influencers who are sort of building up their profiles on, on other social media channels like TikTok and Instagram. And we've also, on the other side, got a few famous wardrobes on the app that you can rent. And some of these famous people, like uh, Lady Amelia Windsor, who's also a friend, Stacey Dooley, and Camille Charrier, who's a very well-known fashion influencer, you know, they're donating uh, proceeds of their rental income to quite a few different charities. So it's kind of great, you know, it's got messages about sustainability, sharing, fashion, style, and also charity. There's many reasons to do it. I think that's that's one of the things I would say, you know, by rotation, it's very multidimensional. Like, yeah, sure, it's an app where you can rent fashion and now where you can buy and sell fashion. But we actually do a lot of community-oriented things which go beyond just the conversation of fashion. Um, so that's like our pop-up store that we currently have in Marlebone Lane. It, it's, it's a great sort of meeting point for our community where we have various workshops. And these aren't workshops just about fashion. There, there, there's one called an upcycling workshop where you're going to upcycle some fabrics with a fashion designer named Mary Benson. We had another workshop on Sunday, which was a self-care motivational vision board workshop for the new year. So it's a great way to get our community to come and meet in person uh, and talk about other things beyond just fashion and rental. Ishita, I must admit, I have very seldom come across upcycling. I often come across downcycling, as you can imagine, and recycling, which some of our, our listeners will be familiar from previous episodes with both of those and, and the differences. But could you tell us a little more about upcycling in this context and kind of how it works? Yeah, so from what I understand, the fashion designer is asking the attendees of the workshop to bring a few pieces of clothing or even cloth, you know, fabrics that they have around that they love and they would like to repurpose into a new garment. Or, or, or like an accessory that they'd like to enjoy. So I'm actually really excited to see how that workshop turns out next week because everyone will be creating different things from what they already own. And actually, I think that's that's something worthwhile mentioning to any fashion designers or producers out there. It's not that we're as humans or even as animals, really. We, we do still love the feeling of something new. So I don't think people are going to stop buying clothes altogether. But I think they can buy new styles made from old fabric and old material, so as to say. And that's what I think quite a few fashion designers like Patrick Dowell, where, you know, they're upcycling quite a few fabrics that they find at vintage stores and markets. And they're making it very stylish and fashionable and for this new generation. I think that's really fantastic. The ability to take things that are old and create something that's new and therefore have that blend of something historic, something with a pedigree, something with resonance, and at the same time have it be trendy and, and fashionable and current. I think that's really very powerful and certainly the direction that I wish more industries were headed in. How do you see the rental market continuing to evolve? And what infrastructure would be really helpful for you and companies like you in, in supporting and enabling this transition? So we are the first ones to ever, you know, approach fashion rental in this manner. You've got quite a few large fashion rental players, as I mentioned, in the US, in China, White Closet, Style Theory, Singapore, where I'm from. I think all of these have really traditionally put a focus on building out warehouses. So, you know, managing inventory in-house and, and getting involved in logistics all the way from cleaning, managing, buying inventory and sort of maintaining it. Um, but for us, we're approaching it from a perspective of technology. So for us, it's about keeping it completely peer-to-peer. -peer. 
because we do believe that there's simply enough clothing to go around all our wardrobes anyway. There's no reason there needs to be a company that manages or buys stock to do that for you. And we also want people to get as much use as possible from the items that they already have. So really it's about the sharing economy. So the way that we've sort of continued to evolve uh, by rotation is we've really become very clear in the fact that we're going to base it as a social network. It is a social network and it's a completely two-sided marketplace. And we are adding quite a few, I would say, commercial partnerships. So ancillary services that are going to be added on to help remove the friction that traditionally happens in peer-to-peer marketplaces. So things like, you know, as a lender or a renter, if you want to buy compostable packaging, or if you want to book an eco-friendly dry cleaner to come to your doorstep and collect it, or if you want to book a career that will come and collect your return or even your delivery to the next person. Those sort of add-on services are other ways that I think that we can solve any sort of friction that there is in the peer-to-peer rental market. I think that's super exciting and certainly the direction that Airbnb went in as well, right? In terms of being able to catalyze the creation of a little economy on top of the platform with companies managing your your property and offering to do the do the laundry at, at scale as well, right? I think that's actually quite a cool model and of course removes the need for an inter, a physical intermediary that you supply. There's obviously like a commercial business case for it, you know, that unit economics make much more sense if you're just peer-to-peer and you focus on technology and actually you invest more in building up a community, which is really, really hard to emulate anyway. So that's where we're putting our focus. I think what's really interesting and exciting um, as we continue to build out our user base and, you know, get more data and analytics on the app when people transact is, is this, this aspect of, as, as you probably know from your consulting times, the kind of, you know, the, the analytics that we are tracking on the app. This, I think, has a lot of potential to empower even retailers and designers, producers of these goods to understand what are people actually buying and how much are they wearing it and using it by how much they're sharing it with others. So I think this is super exciting. And again, it's it's us building out our social network further and further. And on that note, how have big businesses and established brands and designers responded either to buy rotation specifically or just to this kind of trend and opportunity space? We've seen quite a few large brands dip into the rental market themselves. I think they've probably been experimenting with it a little bit. And obviously, COVID hasn't helped in terms of people going out and wanting to dress up for reasons. But we've been very lucky in the fact that the way that our platform is set up, anyone can join it and start listing their items, as long as they meet the criteria of being contemporary and designer as opposed to high street. And we have quite a few independent brands, I would say, or even larger British brands who've listed their items themselves on the app and manage it directly. They'll just get someone in their logistics team to manage the sort of rental orders that come onto the app. And I think that's, that's been really, it's been really interesting to see the, the sort of uptake for it. There's, there's less of an opposition now from brands and retailers to get involved in the secondhand market, resale and even rental, which is really exciting. And we've seen that despite being a peer-to-peer rental model. And would you see Ripple's kind of flow the way upstream towards some of the types of textile companies that you would have come across near Jaipur on the way to your honeymoon? I mean, there actually an impact, for example, on the, the material choices because some are better for sharing and some are, are worse for sharing. Do you actually feel like at some point in the future, the sharing economy will, will actually be able to influence the, 
development of the, the inputs and the products and materials going into fashion? Well, I think I've read somewhere that at Rent the Runway, there was some products being created by brands and designers, particularly just for Rent the Runway, so for rental. We wouldn't like to promote products being made just for rental. We think that sort of goes against what we're trying to do, which is to have fewer product altogether. Even as a lender, as a rotator, as we call you on the app, we want you to buy less fast fashion and instead invest that money, that same pool of money. Instead of buying five high street dresses, you can buy one contemporary or one designer piece, enjoy that and then share it with others and then wear it again. So for us, it's really about cutting down the amount of products that are being made. If all the designers can start moving into producing less and having higher quality pieces that last more than 30 wears, that would be amazing. So that's where it should go. But there shouldn't be that there shouldn't be textile producers really making new products just for rental. We don't we don't need more. That's what I would say. I really like that, Ashita. Uh, thank you so much. The, the last question from our side is one that we typically ask disruptors like you guys who are actually upending an, indus- an established industry, which is if you could, with the best of intentions, give one piece of advice to an industry participant in, in the space that you're disrupting, right? And let's say that this would be an established retailer of, of new fashion products. If you could, with the best of intentions, give that retailer some piece of what would that piece of advice be, knowing what you know now? Obviously still early in, you know, we're only two and a half years old. But I think the main thing I realized, and myself being an ex-shopaholic, is I think everyone needs to slow down in their consumption. And, and it applies to various industries, but I'll talk about fashion. There's just simply too much product out there. We've seen people having even too much designer product. So it's not just high street. The people just have too much stuff and they're stashing it away. And we just need it to go around and get to other people. So I think don't be afraid to slow down and have you know fewer collections, fewer seasons, but instead predict what people actually want and only make that and make it a very high quality. That's what I would say to the other participants of the fashion industry. And I think for the individual, there's also a couple of learnings around potentially seeing your wardrobe as inventory and a source of revenue as well, which I think is, is probably something quite appreciated by many of your users. Yes, exactly. It's really interesting because now they're thinking about contemporary fashion as an asset class. Usually you would just be thinking about Chanel bags and Birkin bags and all of that as assets. But it turns out there's actually some value even in a 500 pound dress that you might have bought for your friend's wedding as a wedding guest. And that's that's a completely new play on it. And I think it's making a lot of our working professional women much more strategic about their shopping habits. It, it goes two ways. Not only are you shopping less and you're renting more, but you're also being much more strategic when you do actually buy something. I think the line Chanel bag as asset class is, is one that you use in our next conversation with the team at Chanel. So thank you for that, Ishita. Really appreciate it. I think this has been super insightful and a few things to really draw out. I think one is the fact that there's a lot of product out there. There's a lot of material out there and the world doesn't necessarily need more product. It needs existing product to be used more effectively. What I really liked is that there are a couple of ways in which you can do that. One is obviously facilitating sharing and more use out of the full material, the full Chanel bag, let's say. I also really like the point around upcycling and actually being able to create something new out of parts that might have been quite old. Um, and then in addition to that, I think that what's what's really interesting, particularly about the bi-rotation model, is your ability to use use the technology really to enable 
a massive disruption, not just for the people using your platform to share clothing, but also to create a little network and ecosystem of, of third parties that can enable that transition. And frankly, again, enable resource efficiencies there. So super exciting, Ashita. Thank you so much. Really appreciated you taking the time to speak with us and looking forward to hearing more about the incredible strides you're going to be making in this industry. Thank you so much again, Seth, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Fantastic. Thanks for listening to today's episode of This is Altruistic. Now for some shameless self-promotion. Altruistic provides global enterprises with the technology infrastructure needed to measure, manage, and abate their sustainability impact. Please get in touch if you want to find out how Altruistic can help your business to profitably improve your impact on the world. You can reach us on hello at altruistic.com. The notes from this episode are available in the show notes below, and you can find more episodes of the This Is Altruistic podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thank you.